The Taylor Bowl is over and so is the football season. One small request for T-Swift. Please don't ever date a baseball player because I actually like that sport. The show starts now. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back. And their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Well, the Kansas City Chiefs are Super Bowl champions once again, though from the coverage you wouldn't know other players outside of Taylor's boyfriend were even on the team. But I'll be honest, I went to bed before the end of that game, and we all know that Joe Biden did too. Still, whoever runs Joe's social media account decided this would be cool to post. Now look, I don't think Joe or whoever runs Joe had anything to do with the outcome of the game, but a weird and corny thing to post anyway. Also important to note that Taylor Swift has not endorsed Joe Biden, and I don't think she's going to either. Still, the coverage of her was still plenty annoying. I mean, damn. Poor Usher brought out Alicia Keys, Lil Jon, and Ludacris and still couldn't get over the Taylor Swift coverage hump. The question is, now that football is over, will we finally get some reprieve? Joining me now to weigh in on it all is sports commentator and host of the Michelle Tafoya podcast, Michelle Tafoya. Michelle, thanks for taking the time. I know it's probably a very busy day for you. It's great to see you, and uh, I was a little exhausted by Taylor and Travis as well. So I want to go just let's just jump right on into that. Um, obviously, we're limited in what we can show because of all the copyright and, and all yeah. that good stuff. But I thought it was interesting here. And I don't think I'm the only one that noticed it. But while Travis Kelsey was giving his little victory speech and kind of hooting um, like a caveman, I saw Taylor Swift's reaction. And some people were saying, oh, she was standing there in admiration. I didn't see that. I saw pure terror in her eyes because I think she's finally starting to realize that she's not dating like a man in skinny jeans that's an emo anymore. She's dating <laughs> kind of a, a caveman. And I'm wondering what your thought is on that. If you saw his, obviously his Super Bowl victory speech, and uh, if you thought that maybe it, it struck some fear into Swifties everywhere. You know, I saw it all, and I know the moment that you're talking about because there was a cutaway of Taylor as he was singing his Viva Las Vegas and you've got your fight, you can fight for your rights party and all that. And there was a cutaway of Taylor where she kind of looked, you know, she wasn't laughing, she wasn't smiling, she wasn't getting in on the act. However, afterward, he came down on the field, field level to see her, 
And the PDA was all there and it was all hugs and kisses and wonderfulness. Now, um, so I don't I don't know. I would think that she'd know by now what he's all about. And and this is as always, this is Kelsey in, in his sort of rawest form. I've known the guy. I've covered him for so many years. Uh, he is very charismatic. He is fun. He knows how to capture a moment. He knows how to play to the crowd. Uh, so so we'll see. Hey, she chugged a beer. So she's got a little cave woman in her as well. Okay, I want to discuss that. I'm glad that you brought that up. We do have the still images of that. So again, I'm not mad at her for chugging a beer. I, I think that's great. Um, it did come off again a little corny to me because I just don't see that being like authentically Taylor Swift. I feel like she's trying to act like someone that she's not to fit into the environment, but it didn't seem convincing to me, and it's almost like she was trying to play it up. Did you think that that was like a real raw Taylor Swift moment, the girl that, you know, wears friendship bracelets and throws up heart symbols? No, I thought it was definitely she knew the camera was on her, and she heard the Niners fans booing her, and she wanted to do a little something. But as far as its authenticity, you remember when Liz Warren did her – I'm going to have a beer with y'all. It kind of felt similar to that. Now, I don't know what Taylor does in her spare time or how much she drinks. And quite honestly, I don't care. But she had to know that at any moment she was up there, a camera or a phone camera or any kind of camera was on her the entire time. So I think she threw that in there as a little bit of a, you know, kind of a middle finger to all the people who are haters. I'm not sure why that was the one, but I, I honestly, I, I really, I don't care. There was another cutaway um, when they score. I can't remember what point it was in the game, but the person standing next to her, this tall blonde woman, you could read her lips perfectly when she said, shut the F up. It was like right there on camera for everyone to see. I thought that was rather amusing, but I think had Kansas city's offense been rolling earlier, we would have seen a lot more of Taylor Swift. But the fact of the matter was the Niners were kind of dominating that first half. And so we didn't see quite as many cutaways. I'm glad we didn't see any during the halftime show, but you're right. Uh, everyone's still talking about Travis and Taylor this morning and not Usher. I want to talk about that, um, obviously, the win. So there's been a lot of folks pre-Super Bowl that said, this thing must be rigged because Kelsey's the Pfizer guy and Taylor at one point endorsed Joe Biden ahead of 2020. So uh, Joe Biden himself, as I mentioned earlier, kind of maybe poking fun at it, that they fixed the game because these two are liberal warriors or something. Now, I think that that's quite ridiculous, but I want you to yeah. weigh in for those out there that are saying, oh, this must be fixed, this must be rigged. You know football. Is it possible? I'm sure it is. How difficult would it be to rig a Super Bowl. It would be next to impossible. And it would do so much damage to the league if anything ever came out. I mean, I remember I covered the Super Bowl uh, that followed the in inflate gate season, deflate gate. I'm so, so affected by inflation that I said inflate the deflate gate, Tom Brady whole fiasco in New England. And that that single, you know, accusation of Tom Brady deflating footballs garnered so much attention and so much scrutiny. Can you imagine if an entire league rigged it? I think it's impossible. I think it's a ludicrous accusation. People are really kind of odd right now about their 
opinions of who's where and what Travis Kelsey does the Pfizer commercial. So everyone's pissed off about that. And then he's with Taylor. She had the Joe Biden cookies in 2020. I agree with you. I don't think she's going to endorse him. I think that would be a bad move on so many levels, uh, just with the way he's appearing right now. So to, to stand behind him and all of the problems that he's hoisted onto our or foisted onto our nation, I think it would be a really bad look for her. You know, Bill Maher actually said something leading into the weekend that maybe the mega crowd should not be so hard on Taylor Swift because she transcends political parties. And he's not wrong. Uh, I believe we have the clip of that. Uh, I want you to take a listen and give your thoughts. The big Valentine's story is Taylor Swift at the Super Bowl. Yeah. And, Bob, you've covered many Super Bowls. I have. Uh, I w have hesitated to cover Taylor Swift like it's a national news story, but I swear to God... After all my years of experience doing this, this is a national news story in the sense that this is a person who could literally swing the election. I don't know what that says about this country, but I would just say to the MAGA people, you should be very careful attacking her because this is someone who transcends parties. He's not wrong, Michelle. I mean, I I think Taylor Swift coverage is annoying, but it's not because she's a Biden supporter or was a Biden supporter. It's just because it's annoying. But yeah. I do think that kind of the mega outrage directed at her just because she might be liberal, I think that's probably a little counterproductive. I agree. I think it's it's pretty stupid, quite frankly. I mean, she does have a massive following that transcends all of this stuff. So if you want to make Taylor Swift fans upset, criticize her at your peril. I mean, it, it's it, it's a way to sort of take digs and take shots at the other side that you're right, it's totally counterproductive. So I think I think they got to tread lightly on this one. And and same with Travis Kelsey. I mean, it was interesting Trump's little remarks about her yeah. and him. And he said, and I like Travis, even though he might be a liberal, you know, whatever. It's uh, it's I, I, I think there's so much of a middle ground in this country that is so overlooked and ignored. And I think probably the vast majority of Swifties fall into that middle ground of America, not super liberal, not super conservative, but right in the middle. And so to to opine on her one way or the other, it, I guess, unless you're just fawning over her, is is not a smart political move. Yeah, uh, Trump on Truth Social talking about how, you know, maybe she should be more loyal um, to him because he passed this uh, Music Modernization Act and actually helped her out. And yeah, it's um, leave it to Donald Trump to always have something interesting to say. He's not wrong. I'm not sure how much that's going to sway Taylor Swift. I have a feeling she's going to stay out of it. I don't think that she's going to endorse Biden, but I certainly don't see her endorsing Donald Trump anytime soon. But very interesting that he jumped in there. I want to get now to some of the commercials. Um, there is a couple that were religious in nature, but I want to start yeah. with Bud Light. So Bud Light needed to do something um, because of what they did last year at March Madness with Dylan Mulvaney. So they yeah. brought out Peyton Manning, Post Malone, um, tried to make it cool again to drink Bud yeah. Light or masculine again to drink Bud Light. Do you think that they reached their target with that? I think that they are making a really good start. And with Dana White and UFC, I think they and, you know, you've got even now Donald Trump saying, hey, give him another chance. So I think they are digging their way out of this hole as effectively as one can at this point. And I think anytime you've got Peyton Manning and you throw in, like you said, Post Malone and you've you've got this sort of bro environment, um, I, I think they're making their way back. I don't know if they can completely overcome the damage. 
I thought that I think it was the Mick Ultra light with Lionel Messi, I thought was radically beautiful and fun. And so, you know, you've got your competition, but uh, but they took the right tone. And then the Clydesdale ad later on in the in the game was also back to sort of back to what they always have been. Oh, they're just going to have to be very, very careful uh, as March Madness rolls around who they have on their Instagram promoting um, their face on a can. So hopefully they've learned their lesson. I'm not entirely convinced. I'm not entirely ready to forgive them for what they did because I don't think they ever really acknowledged it. But some of the other commercials there, um, there I'm going to go with the kind of more controversial one first. It was the He Gets Us. It's obviously a Christian theme talking about, and they've done these for several years. Jesus, he's just like us. You know, don't don't feel like... You have to be perfect to be a Christian. But this one took a different turn. Uh, seemingly, what I gathered from this, and I don't know if you got the same message, is that white people, white Christians, should be washing everyone's feet in the name of Jesus. Now, we know Jesus, that's obviously in theme with the Bible, but it did seem interesting. One of the you know images, obviously, a white man washing the feet of what looked like a black trans person. It ruffled mm-hmm. some feathers. Did you think this was the right note? I, I thought it, it they I thought it started out pretty good, but you're right. When it was so heavily weighted as it, the people washing of the feet were primarily white people. So forgiving. And now you you could look at this two ways, I suppose. You could say, well, white people are more like Jesus because they're more willing to wash the feet. But I, I'm not sure. Um you know, it's it's that whole ad campaign, he he gets us, Jesus is one of us, whatever you want to label it has been really interesting uh, because it is kind of like a a woke version of Jesus. And now I, I understood the spirit of it, but it was it was interesting. They they took some they took some chances there, and I'm not sure it resonated with everyone. But I'm I'm guessing they did their homework and they did their focus grouping, and this was the way to go for them. Yeah, uh, woke Jesus. That's uh, probably the last thing we need to go woke. But I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised. There was another one, obviously the stand up to Jewish hate and end Jewish hate, which I thought was a, a beautiful commercial, a beautiful message, very much needed right now. Um, last thing I want to talk about, going back to Travis Kelsey again, because I got to get your reaction. A lot of people really upset at the way he kind of angrily bombarded his 65-year-old coach. Some people saying that that was too aggressive. What What are your thoughts on this? Is this normal gameplay? Is this normal passion? Or do you think he went a little far? Well, this was a little bit surprising. This guy wanted to win this game so bad, and I still am not taking back my prediction that he's going to retire. I know he said, I'll see you next year. We've got a lot more to do, yada, yada. But they, he's got some opportunities ahead of him in broadcasting and the like that are a whole lot easier on his body and his uh, potential for concussions and the like. Um, this moment was it surprised me because Andy, Andy Reid, who I consider a friend, by the way, uh, in, in full transparency, really, it wasn't just a bump. He really shoved him. I mean, Andy like kind of stumbled. And so I thought that that was a little wild. And, and Travis was clearly saying, keep me in the game, leave me in there. And those mistakes won't happen when I'm not, you know, when you take me out, those mistakes happen. Keep me in the damn game. That kind of thing is pretty normal. But that bit of physicality was a little surprising to me. You see it a lot, not a lot, but you see it enough so that it doesn't completely shock you when it happens. But it was notable. I think it was definitely notable. 
And uh, I, I don't know if Andy's been asked about it yet. And uh, I'd be curious to hear what he thought about it. But it 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 may have been just a shade too much. Yeah, I thought it was a little much. It also seemed, and I'm sure he would be this way whether his girlfriend was in the suite or not, but it was almost like, at least from my perspective, it was like, I, I have to win this thing because if I don't, then I'm going to look like even more of a, of a beta to my billionaire girlfriend than I already do. <laughs> but God, the Taylor Bowl is over. Football is over. I know you're obviously a football fan. I am a baseball fan, so I couldn't be happier that this season is over. Spring is coming. Spring training is around the corner and hopefully Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey will go to Disneyland or Pfizerland <laughs> or whatever and we can get a little reprieve from them. I know you've got a busy day. Thank you for taking the time and I always appreciate having you. Always good to see you, Tommy. Thank you. Thanks so much. All right, my next guest has torn up the music scene, disrupted the narrative, and ticked off the culture wardens who really don't want his message out there for the masses. His recent song featuring Ben Shapiro has dominated the charts, not only because the song is good, but the message is even better. Joining me now is rapper and songwriter Tom McDonald. Tom, I'm so excited to be able to talk to you. You're really tearing up the music scene. You've been doing this obviously for a while, but this latest song and the collaboration, the message that you sent, you got to tell me what it's been like these last few weeks just to see the reaction, to see the outrage in, in parts of the music community to what you've been able to do. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been a wild ride for sure. Um, if it wasn't for people like yourselves, uh, we'd pretty much be getting all bad press. I think we got dragged by TMZ and dragged by Forbes and dragged by Billboard. And uh, I mean, you know, it, 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 it's been a wild ride and like I take everything in stride. And um, honestly, I, I think it's I think it's hilarious. That's got to feel kind of good, though, when all these outlets are so upset at what you've done, because if you weren't moving the needle, they wouldn't care to trash you. They wouldn't care to come after you. It's got to be because of the impact that you've been able to have. And was that maybe part of the whole concept behind this is to maybe rub some people the wrong way, to ruffle feathers, to ignite some controversy? Was that in part of the calculus for this? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that that was sort of the point. So um, I think when uh, people ended up being so upset and bothered and triggered by it, um, I mean, that that was that was the objective. Like the music industry has been treating uh, not only myself, but other artists um, as lesser than for years and years and years, taking advantage of dreamers and um, pushing the sort of mainstream overproduced wrapped in plastic mass manufactured garbage for so long. Um, we had an opportunity to sort of get a little bit of revenge um, on the industry and on the sort of performative wokeness, uh, woke washed, you know, pop culture that that's prevalent in in today. Uh, so that was that was that was sort of the point was just like, hey, let's just like let's put our middle fingers in their faces and let's do something so big and so wild that they have no choice but to acknowledge it. Were you surprised at the skill level of Ben Shapiro? Was that something that took you by surprise? Or, or did you know that maybe he had that in him at some place in his core? I mean, Ben is a, just a wildly talented dude, uh, very smart. Um, so, you know, if anybody could do it, uh, it would be somebody like a Ben Shapiro. So, I, I mean, to be completely honest, I was prepared for the worst. Um, I sent them the beat and was sort of waiting on pins and needles. I was worried what we were going to get back, if it was going to be even something that was releasable. Um, but I was pleasantly surprised. Like, I think Ben stepped out of his comfort zone and into a, an arena that he's 
super unfamiliar with. Uh, and I think like Ben's contribution to the facts video, his verse is more listenable than guys who have been doing it for their entire life in the mainstream. So I, I was pleasantly surprised with Ben's capabilities. Let's talk about the mainstream because, you know, I've seen countless people in the industry. I think most recently I was on uh, with Piers Morgan Uncensored and I heard um, several voices talking about how, you know, you're not really a part of the genre and you can't really be part of the genre and white people really can't be part of the genre. And this has kind of been the symphony of criticism that you've been getting, not just with this song, but with a lot of other work that you've done. So how do you respond to that? And what do you think the future is of the rap hip hop genre in and of itself with the way it's going now? Uh, well, I think everything eventually, whether it's rap or um, country or rock, everything is just becoming pop at this point. Uh, pop music is sort of just devouring everything. It's like this black hole that just takes all of these different genres and sucks them inside it and then spits out sort of a, a pop version of what it used to be. So, you know, I think that and there's so many people genre clashes and people that make multiple genres of music these days that I, I think that it's all just going to become one amalgamation of everything eventually. Um, but as for, you know, um, people saying that I'm not part of hip hop and I'm not, I mean, fine. I, I never wanted to be, I, I, like, I, I'm not knocking on the door asking you to let me in. I, I, I built my own house across the street and I'm screaming out the windows and standing in the front yard and there's nothing you can do about it. It's my house. It's my property. Um, so that's kind of like where I'm at is I, I've never wanted to be part of anything. If uh, I would be flattered if somebody accepted me into it and said, oh, this guy is a prominent figure in hip hop. But that's never been my goal. My goal has just been to, you know, scream my truth at the top of my lungs and, um, and, and speak for people that don't have a voice themselves. And I hope my message resonates with um, the other people who feel like they've been neglected and not allowed in, in, in the cool club. Do you think that there's something inherently wrong with the message and the theme of most hip hop, most rap songs, especially in the last probably five to 10 years? Is there something that to its core you think is problematic? Or do you think that people need to stop blaming culture and stop blaming music for societal ills? Because there's kind of two schools of thought there and maybe somewhere in the middle. But curious to know your take if you were to give a diagnosis of, you know, this kind of entire genre as it sits today. Sure. Um, I don't think it's it's uh, a problem genre-wide. I think that there's a lot of different sects inside of hip-hop and a lot of people that make different types of music. There's conscious hip-hop and gangster rap and all types of different stuff. But um, I think that the stuff that's in the mainstream is the most problematic. We know, we know who the target demographic is, and it's, you know, 16 to 35-year-old American youth. We know... We know uh, who who's digesting the messages and when the messages are primarily guns and drugs and the glorification of violence and 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 romanticizing of 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 drug abuse and party culture and all this stuff like i mean it's the target demograph is young and impressionable and we're pumping them full of content that will erode um their moral standard I think there's a I think there's a problem with that, and um, you know it's not everywhere, but that 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 tends to be sort of the prevalent theme in the mainstream music, uh, which is why I've tried to kind of do the opposite of that. Um, 
I was an impressionable youth at one time, and I was somebody that listened to that same music that I've been critical of. And that led me down a path where I valued um, material belongings and brand name clothes and fancy cars and stuff over everything in my life. And it led me to uh, partying all the time and becoming an alcoholic and having a mental breakdown. And it like, I'm not going to totally blame hip hop, but it was a big part of it. These were people that I looked up to um, that I wanted to be like. So I, I lived like them and it was super destructive to me. Right. Um, so, yeah, I think it's definitely part of it. And that's, and that's a big reason why, you know, I don't want to make music that's going to have kids end up in the same place I ended up because of the stuff I was listening to. I want to empower people, inform people, and sort of do the opposite of what, what it seems like the mainstream is trying to do. I want to get your take on a couple of people just because yesterday was obviously the Super Bowl and it's rich with culture. Um, it, it was obviously unavoidable to see Taylor Swift talk about that in a moment, but obviously going pretty viral right now on social media is Ice Spice um, throwing up what looks like demonic symbols, wearing an upside down cross. It looked pretty purposeful. I know that there are a lot of people that read into conspiracy theories and, and I don't really like to get into that too much, but it, it almost seemed overt to the point where it was unmistakable what she was doing. And, you know, her, her music and her videos and, you know, the way she carries herself is you know it's a little different anyway but i'm sure you've seen it what's your take on that and do you think that that has become almost acceptable or is that counterculture or what is that to you know kind of openly praise the devil if that is indeed what she was doing um it was bizarre i saw i, I saw the clip and um i think that there's things that have happened over the years like with Jay-Z and Beyonce and and Rihanna at the Super Bowl last year, and then what we're sort of talking about with Ice Spice at the Super Bowl this year. Um, you know, there's a, there's a lot of times where people will jump down somebody's throat, an artist's throat for making a hand sign or wearing a t-shirt or whatever the case may be. And I think, I think sometimes it's totally blown out of proportion. And the person who's actually engaging in this, this situation has no idea what they're doing. Um, but there are specific instances where th that make me like raise my eyebrows and I'm like, whoa, that's like super flagrant. Like it's, it's, I, I don't know how you would interpret this clip of Ice Spice. I don't know how you would interpret it as anything, anything else. Uh, like it's bizarre. Like I, I, I saw it sort of as it just initially started going viral on social media. And I, I saw it on my phone last night laying in bed and I showed my girlfriend, I was like, yo, like, this is crazy. Like, what do you think about this? Um, so to me, like, I don't want to get too deep into the conspiracy theories either, but there's the, I do believe that there is some sort of satanic undertone presence, something weird going on um, in the music and in Hollywood. But especially in the music industry, um, you know, I've seen enough of it over the years that, yeah, I saw the Ice Spice thing and I was like, yo, like, there's something going on there. Right. Well, and also, I was disappointed to see that next to Taylor Swift, because regardless if you like Taylor Swift or not, when you listen to her music and you look at her discography, I mean, her work is is pretty 
PG. Um, she's a pretty good role mo model as far as that goes. I know some people don't like her, but when you look at her and the, look at the way that she leads her life, it is admirable compared to a lot of others in the industry. I mean, she's kept it pretty clean. So to invite that into the suite and have somebody wearing an upside down cross, uh, that disappointed me because she is somebody who you'd think would keep better friends and wouldn't bring that kind of trash into her space. So that, that also disappointed me a little bit. But, you know, going back to just what you're doing and what you're going to do next to keep impacting this industry, the genre, what is next for you? And what message do you hope to send with your next song that's going to, I'm sure, do unbelievably well? Um, well, I'm just going to keep, you know, this is a very personal journey for me. Um, there's a lot of people that have been sort of engaged in this culture war by proxy uh, because they have, you know, certain beliefs or certain things going on in their life that that makes them identify with this whole thing. And for me, it's been very personal. I've had I've had very um, negative experiences uh, with the music industry over the years, just a, as an artist, my interaction with that whole business has been largely negative. Um, and I just take everything day to day. So it just I'm just going to continue walking down this road. And, you know, at this point, there's there's millions of people um, that are walking behind me, uh, which I never expected in a billion years. Um, but it's happened and I'm very grateful for it. And I think that a lot of those millions of people that are walking behind me feel like they don't have a voice and they don't have a platform, uh, even if they did have a voice that nobody would listen to it. So I just want to continue um, speaking for the people that see the world that I the way that I do. And I want to keep speaking for the people that feel like um, that they never get heard. So that's that that's where I'm going to keep going with this thing. Yeah, the forgotten Americans, uh, forgotten people. And you're you're bringing a voice to that um, symbolically and quite literally. So we thank you. Thank you for taking the time. Congratulations on all the success. Obviously, very well deserved. And keep doing what you're doing because you're inspiring a lot of people um, with your message and with your success. So thank you for taking the time and God bless you on your journey. Hey, I appreciate you having me. Thank you very much. Thank you. All right, folks. Meta will no longer recommend political content on Instagram and Twitter knockoff threads. Something tells me this means what it always means. Conservative political content will be moderated, but the rainbow mafia, pro-abortion, tree-hugging, BLM activist crap will still be front and center. It's time for Final Thoughts. Social media companies love meddling in elections because they are, with the exception of Twitter, now X, run by liberal activists who hate half or more of this country. But in an attempt to gaslight us into believing they are getting out of the political influence game, Meta announced that Instagram and Twitter knockoff platform threads will no longer recommend political content to users. Facebook has already adopted this policy and has already taken steps to reduce the amount and frequency that political-themed content appears in your feed, reels, groups, and page recommendations. Yeah, after being caught red, freaking-handed, working with the Biden White House to censor conservatives like myself, Facebook decided to remedy the situation by reducing all political content, or so they say. Instagram and threads will now do the same. 
In a statement, Meta said these changes to the Instagram and Thread apps will impact Instagram Reels and Instagram Explore, as well as the in-feed recommendations. So what does that actually mean? Well, since we can't actually see their algorithms, I can't tell you for certainty, but given my personal experience with Meta, I can give you a pretty good idea. Content like mine, content that calls out Biden, exposes the illegal immigration invasion, the true efficacy of the vax, the true science behind the transport movement, or so much as questions the BS narratives to be birthed out of the Obama shadow government, well, they will be buried and shadow banned into the abyss. But something tells me the constant, repeated, perpetual, monotonous, nauseating merry-go-round of content that promotes the rainbow mafia, the radical pride agenda, the big green movement, the BLM scam, or vegetable POTUS Joe will still be as visible as ever. Meta is filled with liberal activists who set the algorithms and the definition of political content. So just take a wild guess how they're going to apply their new rules. This is just another way for the man to keep us and our content down. And they really have the guts and the stones to pass this off as some kind of fairness. Or maybe they don't want us sharing clips of the well-meaning elderly man with a poor memory. The manipulation here really is next level. Meta wants to keep your feed a happy and inspiring place filled with overly sexualized minors and influencers who use their children as fodder for posts and content. Ignorance, of course, is not only bliss, but helpful to the Democrats who need your mail-in vote come November. So congratulations to Zuckerberg. He's really saving the world here. Those are my final thoughts from Nashville. God bless and take care.